This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 93 of Healthy Critters Radio on the Horse Radio Network. Healthy Critters Radio is brought to you by Biostar US. Find them online at biostarus.com. On today's show, we discuss genetic testing in dogs. The breed of the show is the boxer. In Critter Nutrition, we ask, does your horse need a multivitamin mineral? And in Coffee Clatch, we share why visiting a national park is good for our health. Listen in. So Tiggs, <laughs> you you lost your phone. Yeah, I was in a bit of a panic, and you know, so I have an iWatch. I mean, I hate being that person because I I hate that, I, and I got it because I wanted to make sure if uh, you know I, there was a period of time where race school was pretty far away from um, where you know, I was riding out of, and I just, you know, if I left my phone somewhere, I wanted to know that they could get hold of me, which is stupid because years and years and years ago before cell phones, they still found you. But, um, you know, I just, you know, I just hate to think I'm that connected to, to, to technology, but I would tell you that I'm more connected than I would like to even admit to. Um, because when I couldn't find my phone and I went to my iWatch to ping my phone (laughs) to tell me where it was, and I realized it wasn't pinging, I was, like oh my gosh so um and the first thing i thought of and i don't know about you guys i'm sure both of you have lost your phones but the first thing i thought of was oh my gosh i have so many pictures on my phone um that i just don't know if i've uploaded them to the cloud and then i thought i don't even know how to get to the cloud to get my photos (laughs) (laughs) what's the point you don't know how to get there yeah, so, that's so I never I, upload mine is because I'd have to think really hard to figure out how to find them once I did that. <laughs> well, and I have my phone set on to like do like Google pictures and iCloud and all this. And I, I don't I don't understand it. And I and so anyway, I found the phone, but then became very depressed <laughs> because I realized I'm tied to technology and I don't even know how to use it properly. So I got to that's got to be on my I got to figure this out list. Have you ever looked into those chips you can get free? It's not a chip. It's a something you attach to your pet. that You can track your pet from your phone. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. A, it's a GPS. Yeah. Actually, our our friend Peta had that uh, Tigger for um, one of her poodles because the poodle decided to go towards the road rather than the beautiful groomed three hundred acres towards the back. <laughs> yeah. So she did that. I want I want one of those, and I want to I want one that records it so I can watch where the horse wanders at night when I'm not there. Oh, see, that's a good idea. I oh, be you fun. want I one for your horse? Watch how many times he paces the fence. <laughs> I thought she was going to say she wanted it for Glenn. Oh, I know where he's at. (laughs) (laughs) He's sitting at his computer. Sorry, he's he's easy to keep track of. Yeah, there you go. Okay, fair enough. You have have an iWatch so Mm -hmm. that you can keep track of your iPhone. Well, and also that if, you know, if, because I am, I'm riding all day, so I'm, you know, I'm not always right by my phone. So, you know, my husband can call me or the school can call me or, you know. Um, so you, don't, you, know. you don't carry your phone with you when you're riding? No, I don't. But the problem is with my um, iWatch, it doesn't always work. <laughs> and so, 
Oh, it doesn't always work. It doesn't like, um, sometimes it will like some, it depends on the day. I think my phone and my watch have a conversation of, you know, it's sort of like, you remember, you know, the, the dingbat society, whoever has the gene for the dingbat tigger, you yeah. know, between the two of us. Well, yes. it's sort of like the phone goes today. I'll answer. I will get all the texts first. And then you hold out about 30 minutes and the watch goes, okay. And then sometimes I'll, I'll have complete clarity on my phone or on my iWatch. And then other times I don't. So it's frustrating, you know, you can so. always count on technology to frustrate. Yeah. So I'm not, and I'm sure that's something that I could probably, um, figure out too, but then I'd have to you know, figure that out, which would get frustrating all over again. <laughs> I know Tigger that you're, you're not much of a, you're not a giant fan of technology. So you, how do you keep track of your cell phone? How do you keep from losing it? You, I'm sure you don't have an iWatch. No. And I would never wear an iWatch. <laughs> so when I, I, I don't when, want so to I'm be not that you mind Christmas. connected. That, and that, no. that is a predictable answer right there. So what do you do to keep yes. track of it? Of my phone? Yeah. You know, I have never lost my phone. Of course you haven't. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm going to knock on wood. Um, <laughs> and when you do, Tigger, I want to know. <laughs> now, are you a pho- cell phone in the pocket, cell phone in the pocket book, cell phone in a pocket case attached to your belt? How do you transport? Um, mostly in a purse. And the only time I've really kind of lost it was I had a big purse. <laughs> I just kept, mm. had to dig down. It was in the bottom. It, yes, exactly. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, I do sometimes, actually, I, I have some really great, like, sweatpants, lounging pants. And sometimes if a customer calls me and I'm still in sweatpants or it's in the evening and they call me, and I just slip the phone into my into a pocket of the pants and I can walk around the house and talk to them, no problem. So I kind of like that feature. That's an yeah. interesting visual. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> no Bluetooth. She just puts that sucker on speaker and gabs away. Walks yeah. around. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's, awesome. okay, that's funny. That's funny. That's awesome. Well, how about you, Jennifer? What do you do? I am very much a f- cell phone in the pocketbook. Okay. Yeah. And when I ride, it's cell phone in some sort of a case attached to my person. I have a couple, uh, I have one pair of breeches that has this, well, I have two pairs of breeches that have a cell phone pocket that's on the thigh near your knee. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I that's kind of cool. Those. those are awesome. Yeah. It's, it's out of your way, but you can still reach it. Right. Because I frankly don't like wearing the phone on my, on my belt, on my waist, because I don't right. have that skinny a waist and my elbows then like bump into the phone. So it's just icky. Yeah. Right. So that's, that's where I'm yeah. I, for a period of time, tried to do it on my belt. And then I was like, I was so aware of falling onto it. Like, not that I fall, but yeah. you know, like it's, being on a horse and falling, I thought, oh, I don't, yeah, I, I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't need that. Yeah. I'm I don't, no, I don't take my phone to the barn. Hmm. Yeah. If I'm out at the barn, no cell phone. You see, that doesn't work so well for Patty though. Yeah. No, that couldn't work for Patty, work but. For Patty. Um, luckily I don't need a cell phone while I'm feeding or mucking yep. or turning out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I carry my phone when I ride because most of the time I'm riding by myself. That's what I, yeah, I figured. Okay. And when I well, ride, then you out, might when do I ride well in the backyard, I don't, cause there's generally somebody here and they're watching me ride, you know? Right. But if I'm out hacking about and I'm, I'm by myself, I always make sure I have that along so that I'm sure Glenn has secretly installed one of those find your phone programs in mine. So that he can hit a little button and find me. 
Right. Yeah, but he didn't tell me because I'd be insulted if he had done that. But I'm sure it's in there. If, but I'm sure it's a thing. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure it's in there. Yeah. There we go. That's very well, funny. I, I'm curious to hear how other people a keep track of their phones and whether or not they find it useful in their horsey life. Because some, mm. like like Tigger said, for some people, it's get away from the phone. It does not enhance their horsey life, and for other people, mm-hmm. it does. And I'm curious to to uh, find out what uh, the listeners think. So where should they let us know those things? On Healthy Critters Radio Facebook page. <laughs> there we go. Healthy Critters Radio Facebook page. If uh-huh. you haven't done it already, go on over there, hit the like button, get the notifications. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that'd be a great idea. In our roundtable discussion today, we are going to talk about genetic testing in dogs and why more breeders need to do it. And I wanted to bring this up because I just had two of my dogs genetically tested because the Australian Shepherd Club of America is on the forefront of testing for genetic health issues and abnormalities. And I really uh, applaud them for doing that. The interesting thing was when I got the test back, um, as many of you know, collies and Australian shepherds have a predisposition for the MDR1 mutation, which means they can't take ivermectin, um, which is commonly in, in, you know, heartworm preventative. And one of my dogs came back, not a carrier, and one of them did. Oh, wow. Yeah. That surprises me. Who came back as a carrier? Wookie. Huh. Yep. Mm. And the other dog came back as a carrier for a blood clotting abnormality. It's not a um, a, a life-ending or serious condition, but um, it it means that even though he doesn't he doesn't have it, he carries the gene, mm. and it, it means that that he potentially, especially if bred to a female who also has that same gene, their progeny would pr- undoubtedly pass that on. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it started me thinking about the number of dogs that are bred that are probably never genetically tested. Oh yeah. Which there are specific tests to specific breeds, breeds that have a tendency to have certain uh, genetic health issues. But when you think of the amount of puppies produced by, you know, hobby breeders, by, you know, competitive breeders, the amount of actual genetic testing is very, very small. And I I think it's important to bring that out into the light and and encourage more breeds. Some of them have sort of a volunteer. Aska is also a volunteer, but because of the 
tremendous influence that the breed organization has on the breeders it you know if you don't do genetic testing it's kind of like well you know you're not you're not living up to the standards of of the Australian Shepherd Club of America mm. and i i think it's high time that the AKC that other breed groups really start looking at genetic testing because if we could eliminate some of this you know i could not breed wookie to a dog that was that also carried the mdr1 gene that just it rules that right out nor could i breed crockett to a female who also had this um blood clotting gene and neither of them are life-ending diseases although Mm -hmm. dogs can get very very sick who have the m M, I think it's an MRD1 or MDR1. It's MDR1, I think. Okay. I mean, if they get ivermectin, they can die. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I'm just, you know, calling out to anyone who's who's breeding their, you know, the 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 breeds that they love to seriously look into and get your dog genetically tested, not yeah. just for the DNA of of the breeding itself, but for the health. Well, it just, it can prevent so many heart so much. And, and you know what? Maybe we can eliminate MDR1. Mm-hmm. Well, that you're, you're making me think about, um, you know. Um, we need to do catch. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But it makes you also think about, like, you you know, you should never breed, and we're going to just stay with Australian Shepherds here, you should never breed a Merle to a Merle because you can end up with all sorts of problems. Blindness, deafness. Yeah. And, you know, and a lot of people just, you know, don't know that. But, you know, it's just like who wants to see, you know, a puppy that has all these things first off as a breeder and deal with it and then potentially send that on you know, to somebody else and then have them fall in love with this dog and then have something that can, you know, be a horrible thing. Now, blindness and deafness, those are things you can deal with. But if you're somebody that works all the time and now you have a blind or a deaf puppy or something, you know, even more, like it's just, there's so many things that could be presentable, present, preventable down the road with these people that fall in love. Like I'm always thinking about the heart of the person who has the animal and, you know, it's just like, it's heartbreaking enough when they're you know, old and you have to, you know, put them down or whatever, but having them be young or be hard, like, it's just hard, you know, like you, I think you can eliminate so much of the surprise. And if you just are responsible about it and it's not, it's not that expensive. Is it Tigger to do that? It's, uh, I used paw print genetics. Mm -hmm. Um, it's about a hundred bucks. Okay. So Um, it's not, it's not cheap, but if you're a breeder, if you're seriously considering breeding your your bitch or your boy, it it definitely needs both parents need to be done. Yeah. yeah. Period. If you're, if you're considering breeding your dog, whether male or female, and you can't you can't manage a hundred dollars to get something that important done. Yeah, you shouldn't you do it. Rethinking that. Um, yeah. It's not a giant chunk of change, and like you said, it you owe that to the puppies because yeah. people mm-hmm. take those puppies. Need to be informed. There's nothing. Yeah, they, they could so, face so a many, lifetime so of health in problems. Bad places because the owners are surprised and they're not prepared for it. And then they end up, at, yeah, back at, yeah. you know, the animal welf- welfare or, you know, 
Yeah. So I think that I think that's what a good message. What a very very good message. And um, one of the things that paw prints does is they they will test according to your breed, so you don't have to figure out what you have to test for. So if you say oh, for, it's yeah. an Australian Shepherd, this is what we test. So one of the important factors with any breed are some of the genetic uh, health issues that can be passed on from generation to generation. And one of them in Australian Shepherds is cataracts. And so uh, paw print genetics included in, in when you pick a breed, depending on whether it, it your breed has a, a genetic link to cataracts, will test for that. It's called the HSF4 cataract test. And I'm very happy to say that neither of my tested Aussies uh, carry that gene. So that's a, a very good sign that maybe the breed on the whole is getting a handle on this. And so that we won't have cataracts um, with Australian shepherds. Evidently, just one copy of the gene in this particular genetic mutation, if you will, will, can lead to cataracts. So it's really important that both parents be clean. Mm, yeah. That's, uh, it's just interesting that you can have a, a little bit of control over, you know, how, how the puppies, some of the health of puppies, if you just take a little bit of time and spend a little, a, a very worthwhile money. And, you know, when, when you go and buy a puppy from a breeder, um, make sure that, that they've had genetic testing. Mm -hmm. it, it will just, it won't ensure that your puppy will be healthy in its entire life, but it, it sure gives you much better odds. Right. Amen. And this is a public service announcement from Healthy <laughs> Critters Radio. <laughs> Thank you, Tig. Thank you, Tig. Going forward, next, you know, when we do dog breeds, it might be interesting to find out if through um, the company you used or some other company, since they've already done the homework, it would be interesting to ask them, okay, breed X, Y, or Z that we're going to highlight on our show, what tests do you recommend for that breed? It would be interesting to find out what they say. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting point. Hello. Hedy. Hi, Hedy. Patty? Yes. Hego? Yes. Jennifer? Hello, Hedwig. Hello, friends. <laughs> Hello, Hedwig. We have an important question for you. Ready? And we, we are so, so anticipating your wise and sage answer. We're getting to the tail end of vacation season. And I, I thought of this because I live in Florida, vacation capital of the universe. And yeah. mm -hmm. I was pretty sure that you would have an opinion about vacation spots that dogs' servants should take them to. I'm sure you have a favorite or maybe some recommendations that all dogs <laughs> need to visit. You're so funny, implying that we have had a vacation ever. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure there are oh. places you want to visit. Oh, so many. I was just recently reading an article in the New York Times about a, an island off the Italian coast where Richard Burton and Liz Taylor stayed in a hotel for 600 euro a night. They stayed there all summer. <laughs> that is pretty much how I want to ruin. <laughs> so, uh, okay, there Ita- are Italian, vi- Italian villa. That's a good, that's a good one. Yeah, there are definitely some places I don't want to go, like Florida. I have been there, and it did not work out for me. Hmm. That's because your luxurious, beautiful, chestnut-colored coat is not really Florida-friendly, is it? Also, horse shows. Um, (laughs) Oh. It's not a vacation if there are horses. All dogs should visit? Maybe maybe someone who stayed, maybe... A dog that doesn't have a passport. Maybe have some recommendations for him or her. They need a new servant. Um, but, <laughs> I mean, what do you mean you don't have a passport? What if you wish to get off to gay Paris? <laughs> but that's true. Anyway, I mean, um, you know, I have heard nice things about lakes um, that have nice. Cool water for little toes. This sounds pleasant. I could get behind this, but not with big fish. We don't like big fish. Very stressful, big fish. Hmm. Um, perhaps mountains, not especially high ones, because little dogs have short legs. But if the servant could be a Sherpa, then very large mountains would be fine. No problem. Um, because then little dogs get carried up big hill and then have little lunch and then get carried down big hill. I like that. Mountains. Huh. I like that. Now, mm-hmm. as I'm a thinking dis- a chairlift or chairlift. a gondola. Yeah, they are. As, mm. a, as a discerning vacation dog that you are Hedwig, what mode of carrying would you recommend? Do you prefer carrying in the arms? Do you like the, the dog bag so that you can sit comfortably in your very own luggage? Or do you like that little backpack-like thing that people wear on their chests that they stuff their dogs into? What do you prefer? I have traveled on planes in a bag. And as long as I can see my sister in her bag, I have behaved beautifully. I see no reason why most dogs cannot go in a bag. But if you are the size of a pony... Like Tigger's dogs, you're going to have to get your own plane. Mm. I see. Very good. So, a mountain retreat, as long as we've got excellent, high quality transport transportation to the top for lunch and back down again. I've got that. Or a nice, cool, comfortable lake with small fish. Am I getting it right? It sounds like shallow water at the edge for little dogs to paddle their beautiful toes. Got it. Shallow. It can water. get deeper later. That's fine. That's where the big fish go. As long as there's a shallow section for little dogs, that's fine. Do little dogs actually swim? Little dogs do swim, Tigger. Thank you for asking. Because <laughs> you just don't strike me as much of a swimmer. Little dogs like swimming, but they don't like being threatened with going in the swimming pool, Tigger. <laughs> mm. 
I had a feeling that was going to come back around, Tigger. So for people who threaten little dogs are in for a long winter season, Tigger. <laughs> so, so for activities while at the cool, comfortable lake with a shallow edge and small fish, are boat rides appropriate? And if so, what type of boat ride? Now, my grandfather's dog loves boats. She's a Labrador retriever. Apparently, they're like that. Um, they like water and swimming and fish, big fish. She likes big fish, preferably dead, and she likes to roll in them. Oh. <laughs> uh, she likes the boat. They have a catamaran. Oh, I was boat. disturbed by the word cat. In, but it turns out it has nothing at all to do with cats. That was just a complete misapprehension on my part. <laughs> oh, no. A catamaran is a sailing boat with two pontoons and a sort of tarpaulin stretched between the pontoons. And the big dog goes on the tarpaulin while the grandfather sails the boat. I see. Would, would a catamaran ride be appropriate for a small dog or do you think that's a big dog activity? For a little dog, the risk of drowning is high because the water level can go right over the tarpaulin and a little dog could be carried away and die. Oh. Uh, oh. That's very... Little dogs prefer yachts. Oh. Yachts. Okay. Of course. Of course. Mm-hmm. A 30 to 40 foot yacht would be appropriate, you and know, with a captain yeah. and a wet bar and also oysters. And nice things for little dogs. <laughs> little dogs a like staff. oysters? Little <laughs> dogs would like to find out. Okay. Okay. Well, just make sure if you, when you're on your yacht that you don't sleep below deck. <laughs> don't worry, <laughs> Killer. <laughs> Well, thank you very much, Hedwig. We appreciate this. And I'm sure all of our doggy friends and their servants will appreciate these thoughts on vacationing for the discerning dog. We appreciate it. Yes. I, my best advice is mountains. Much safer. Mm. With your own Sherpa. With your own Sherpa. Got it. Of course. One doesn't go to Everest without a Sherpa. Hmm. And now it's time for the Breed of the Show. So we are at the Breed of the Show segment, and I haven't done dogs in a while, and and so I have chosen the Boxer, which, quite frankly, is a delightful dog. And I am glad I did, because I learned lots of good stuff about them. So they live to about, there's a little discrepancy, but so I did my range from 12 to 15 years. They're a medium-sized dog. Um, they come in a lot of fun colors, but probably the most common one would be the fawn, the fawn color. There's brindle and there's actually, um, some of them can be all white and I'm sure there's several other colors too, but the fawn's probably the most popular one. They are an extremely family oriented dog. They're energetic, very, very friendly and very, very devoted to their, their family. So that makes them pretty good with kids and, and, it be, and just can be, become very attached to their family. They're very easy to train. They're very smart. All of these are good things. However, they wouldn't probably be the best agility dog, but they'd certainly be good for the training of it because they're not as like low to the ground like a, an Aussie or kind of a border collie. But they're very highly, highly trainable. They, they, the number one thing that 
because they're so friendly and they just love people and they're and they're actually good protection dogs as well but they are really very high on the list for needing their companionship but exercise so this may not be a dog that is someone you know if like somebody could live in an apartment but they the dog would have to have daily exercise or it would probably become a little bit naughty and you have to be a little bit careful because they do have those kind of they're not completely squished nose dogs but they do have a shorter snout so you've got to be careful because they're not going to be as tolerant in the heat like like other dogs would be even though they have a shorter coat they don't shed a, a ton but they still will shed a little bit so a little bit of the history on them, they were originally bred, they, they can be traced back to Germany as a war dog, believe it or not. They were a lot different looking, a little bit, a lot boxier and a heavier type than from what we see today. But over the years, they have sort of morphed into many different things. And some of this kind of surprised me. They've used them as cattle dogs, police dogs, watch and protection dogs. And they've also been trained for like the blind. So again, that goes back to how highly trainable they are. And again, they, because they're trainable, they'll be very good with other animals. Like they'd be good with cats or, you know, other dogs, but like always introduce, you know, a puppy or a a dog, you know, slowly into, or a cat into another, you know, dog's life, just because it's always easier when you make them more prepared than not. Health-wise, um, you do want to be careful. the the white do- The white dogs can tend to lean towards being deaf, just like in a Dalmatian, and and blindness. But deafness is a, a big one. And for the most part, they are a healthy dog. They're not real high on the hip dysplasia list. However, they are one of the number one dogs cancer. But if you have a boxer and you notice any skin change, even a tiny lump or a skin tab or whatever, they highly recommend you bring it right in because it's extraordinarily preventable for it to go any further. But they are, for whatever reason, genetically prone to cancer. So it's kind of like the number one health thing about it. But again, not so much fun to hear that, but also can be taken right off and generally not become a long-term issue. So all in all, it sounds like a very good dog, easy to train, would be great with children, but they need their exercise. And now we're at Critter Nutrition, and we're going to talk about does your horse need a multivitamin mineral? Recently, I did a nutritional consult for an owner with two warm blood geldings, age 10 and 14. The horses were on a commercial feed, and she was feeding the recommended amount. The horses had turnout on grass for two hours a day. They were fed six flakes of orchard grass per day. The horses worked five days a week. One horse was competing at pre-St. George and I-1, and the other was competing at fourth level. According to the owner, both horses had very dry coats. One horse's black coat looked bleached despite a UV fly sheet, and the ends of his tail had turned red. She was having a difficult time keeping top line on the chestnut. She had her vet out and did a CBC on both horses, which showed low vitamin E. When the owner called me, I suggested she get a hay analysis done so that we could get a better picture of possible nutritional deficiencies. The hay analysis showed low crude protein at 9%, low zinc and copper, very low vitamin E, low selenium, high iron, low magnesium, and a less than ideal calcium phosphorus ratio of 1.1 to 1. The owner asked me if putting the horses on a multivitamin mineral would correct the deficiencies. My answer, one supplement cannot tackle multiple deficiencies. What? Let's start with (laughs) vitamin E. 
To therapeutically raise vitamin E levels in the horse, we need at least 2,000 international units of supplemental D-alpha to cover all the non-synthetic form of vitamin E. Horses in hard work may, may need 3,000 IUs. Drastically low levels of vitamin E in a horse may require 5,000 IUs per the veterinarian. Maintenance levels for horses not getting enough vitamin E from pasture and hay need supplemental vitamin E at a minimum of 1,000 IUs per day. A multivitamin mineral covers several key areas of equine health, including the macro and micro minerals, vitamin E and other fat-soluble vitamins, A and D, the macro and micro minerals, protein, amino acids, and in some formulations, the additions of probiotics and B vitamins. Most multivitamin minerals add palatability ingredients such as dried distillers, grains with solubles, molasses, vegetable oil, soy husks. Only so many ingredients are going to fit into one serving size, particularly when palatability ingredients often weigh the most and have the largest volume in a formula. A multivitamin mineral formula may have 100 IUs or 200 IUs of vitamin E as a part of a daily serving, but that amount isn't anywhere near the maintenance level of 1,000 international units. Don't blame the company. They can only fit so much into a serving. And these low vitamin E levels in horses we are seeing is a relatively new phenomenon. I recommend supplementing for vitamin E specifically with Kentucky Performance Products Elevate. With a maintenance serving of 1,000 international units, this is the best supplement for vitamin E, particularly for performance horses, brood mares, and horses with little or no fresh pasture and horses in the winter. There are, of course, food sources of vitamin E, camelina oil, hemp seed oil, almonds, and sunflower seeds. But to get to 1,000 international units per day, you have to feed a lot of these foods. For horses on healthy pasture or whose hay analysis shows adequate vitamin E, supplementing with any of these foods is beneficial. However, for therapeutic and maintenance amounts of vitamin E at 1,000 international units per day, it is best to go with Kentucky Performance Products Elevate or the Nano E from Kentucky Equine Research. Purposes of a multivitamin mineral. Multivitamin minerals are broad-spectrum supplements to help fill in nutritional gaps, particularly when it comes to minerals. Because the minerals used in most commercial horse feeds are in their inorganic form, meaning carbonates, oxides, and sulfates that provide low bioavailability, many owners add a multivitamin mineral to augment the feed. Some multivitamin minerals can be used as a ration balancer with added timothy or alfalfa pellets. I personally feed a multivitamin mineral as a kind of insurance policy, that the broad-spectrum micro and macro minerals are covered, that vitamin A and D are supplied at levels that are beneficial. I consider a multivitamin mineral as the foundation of my horse's supplement program. For instance, my 20-year-old rescued ginger only gets a multivitamin mineral supplement because she has no other issues. My 33-year-old Lionheart needs a little more added supplementation, including Biostar's adapter and Biostar's Circuvate because of his age. Correcting mineral imbalances. Depending on the multivitamin mineral supplement you choose, it is possible to balance some mineral deficiencies, particularly copper and zinc, and in some cases, selenium. How about the B vitamins? Horses make their own B vitamins, including biotin, from the fermentation of forages by the microbes in the hindgut. Commercial feeds are fortified with B vitamins, and many multivitamin mineral supplements provide B vitamins. A good food source is nutritional yeast or brewer's yeast. Biotin is known to improve hoof health at a therapeutic level of 20 milligrams per day. 
The sulfur-containing amino acids, including methionine, are also important cofactors that can affect hoof quality. Many companies use the synthetic version of methionine, DL-methionine, which, like a DL-alpha-tocopherol vitamin E, has a much lower rate of bioavailability. According to Kentucky Equine Research, biotin has a short shelf life, particularly when mixed with oils and other facts, around six months from the time of manufacturing. Since consumers only know the best buy date on the label, we aren't privy to the actual date the run of the product was made. If your horse needs a healthier hoof, adding a specific hoof supplement is the best way to therapeutically support the foot. Multivitamin mineral supplements that provide essential and non-essential amino acids and a high protein percentage, over 20%, can provide hoof support by supplying the sulfur-containing amino acids with the biotin the horse already makes in his body. Protein. Because protein percentage varies in hay and forage, many horses need higher protein. Feed companies have responded with feeds and supplements with greater percentages of protein. This is also important for multivitamin mineral supplements, which can also fill amino acid gaps, particularly the branch chain amino acids. Horses that need more top line or muscling can benefit from a multivitamin mineral with therapeutic levels of protein 30% or higher. Bioavailability. Like a lot of riders and owners, you probably don't have extra time to go jumping down nutritional rabbit holes and following seemingly endless Google searches to look up ingredients. Bioavailability is perhaps more important than how many milligrams per serving of XYZ ingredient because the form of the nutrient matters. Ground up rock, which are carbonates, oxides, and sulfates, have a 0 to 10% bioavailability. Mineral chelates, such as amino acid chelates, polysaccharide chelates, and protonates, provide significantly higher bioavailability, in some cases 60 to 80%. They also cost 10 times more than carbonates, oxides, and sulfates. Just remember, the plants your horse eat provides chelated minerals because that's what plants do with the minerals in the ground. The plants chelate them with free amino acids. So our horses eat chelated minerals from plants. Horses don't eat rocks. Multivitamin mineral supplements commonly contain vitamin A that is synthesized from components of crude oil. Food sources include carrots and fish oil. One small carrot provides 8,353 international units of vitamin A. Vitamin D3 in multivitamin mineral supplements is predominantly from sheep's wool. Yep, lanolin. Food sources of vitamin D2 are grass, hay, algae, and mushrooms. Protein quality is measured by biological value, which is represented on a scale of 0 to 100, with 100 being the highest bioavailability. Undenatured whey protein has a biological value of 104. Casein protein has a biological value of 77. Pea protein has a biological value of 65, partly due to an incomplete amino acid profile and the lectin and phytic acid content. Soy protein has a biological value of 74. It also contains phytic acid and lectins, but does provide a complete amino acid profile. There may be other personal considerations with soy protein, including soy allergies, the fact that soy is genetically modified, and the use of glyphosate. When to use a multivitamin mineral supplement. If you are feeding a complete feed and feeding the manufacturer's recommended pounds per day and your hay is tested and provides enough protein, macro, and micro minerals, you may not need to supplement with a multivitamin mineral. If you are feeding a whole food diet, 
or are mixing your own feed ingredients, you will need to use a multivitamin mineral. If you can't have your hay tested and your forage tested, you might consider adding a multivitamin mineral to cover the mineral needs of your horse. Performance horses have higher mineral and protein needs and can benefit from a multivitamin mineral. Senior horses may need more protein and trace minerals, so a multivitamin mineral is important for them. Because we are seeing such low percentages of vitamin E in hay, I recommend getting a CBC on your horse at least once a year, performance horses twice per year, to see where the vitamin E and selenium levels are. I highly recommend adding Elevator Nano E for maintenance and therapeutic levels of vitamin E. Real horses and real dogs are healthier, perform better, and recover more quickly on real food. That's why BioStar empowers horse and canine owners with 100% whole food nutrition, supplements, and feeding programs. BioStar products are made at their own certified non-GMO facility in Gordonsville, Virginia, using real food ingredients that are raw, freeze-dried, or dehydrated, never cooked, and are free from artificial flavors, colors, soy, corn, wheat, and molasses. The BioStar product line includes a wide range of whole food, horse and dog supplements, treats, and unique artisan poultices that embrace the ancient and traditional uses of clay and plants. Visit BioStarUS.com today and learn about whole foods and canine and equine nutrition so you can make the best decisions about the care and health of your horses and dogs. That's BioStarUS.com. Whole food nutrition the way nature intended. So we're at Coffee Clatch. And um, I, I wanted to talk about how important visiting uh, a national park is for, for the human in the critter community, for our health. And um, I just got, because of my age, um, at age 65 in the national parks, you can buy a lifetime pass for $88. No. Yep. Cool. You can go to any national park anywhere in the U.S. And if you're the if you're in the car with other people, they get in too. Wow. Yeah. I'm gonna invite an old person with me. <laughs> I'm booked. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dang, that's pretty cool. That's if, yeah. If Take you're grandma under- and grandpa along, people. It's- <laughs> It thanks a lot. If you're yeah. under 65, you can buy a yearly pass for 80. And so the senior pass, oh, senior is 62 and up. Mm-hmm. And that's for, for your lifetime. Wow. Cool. So I recently was in the Grand Tetons in Wyoming. And my sister and I had gone down to Jackson Hole for a few days and we came back through the park which includes the Grand Tetons and there is something about getting out of your car and smelling the air and then there are these magnificent mountain peaks and there's a quiet and there's a a magnificence that's so awe-inspiring and it, it, it kind of brings you back to reality that has nothing to do with cell phones or technology 
or work or anything. And, and, it, and it's so grounding that when you do get back into civilization, because from Grand Teton, you, wind, you can wind up through uh, the western boundary of uh, Yellowstone. When you come back out into civilization, like in West Yellowstone, you, you, you already have that kind of zen calm that when somebody pulls in front of you, you just go, okay. <laughs> so it's a cure for road rage. It's a cure for a lot of things. <laughs> so We're going to have to remind her of this when she's in Wellington. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> it sounds to me as if you have been a fan of the national park for a long time. My whole life. So you've, you're a lifelong devotee. I am a relative I, recent, many, rel- relatively recent many. convert in that growing up, that was just not something our family ever did. Because Unless I don't think Assateague and Chincoteague qualify. I don't think they're, they're national parks. Mm. I think they're state parks, but um, we have more recently gone out to some western states and visited some of the more popular ones for example we did the grand canyon and we did one of the parks up in when we went to alaska and i think you nailed it in that the if you get off the beaten track a little bit versus staying on the road and watching the wildlife from your car window if you get off the track beaten track a little bit it doesn't even have to be very far we discovered you get out of your car and hike for 15 minutes on one of their little trails that they have marked and yep. you really feel like you're on a different planet. It does yes. kind of reset mm. your your attitude clock a little bit, doesn't it? It a hundred percent. And I, you know, I I'm so reminded because my family's had a home in Montana for you know forty years. That's about an hour from West Yellowstone. That of of the brilliance of Teddy Roosevelt, because without him. Yellowstone would be all built up now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. because he he really laid the ground rules, didn't he? A hundred percent. We would not have Glacier. We wouldn't have Yosemite. We wouldn't have Arcadia. And I mean, there's so many national parks that the con because of the concept of Teddy Roosevelt will protect the land in, in. forever hopefully for our children's children's children Mm -hmm. and the way to support truly the environment of north america is to go visit a park why because it gives us a reminder and an appreciation of what's important and it's the earth it's the animals it's the, the grasses and the trees yeah. and, and, the, and the mountains and the lakes and okay. the canyons. And if that's, has, that's more valuable than millions and millions and billions of dollars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you're a person who wants to, has, needs an excuse to take your horses along on vacation, many, many, many parks have um, the option to take your horses. Now they're, there are rules and that you have to take certain foods in and stuff, but um, there are a lot of options to ride your horses through these parks. And there are a few parks who have concessions, which are very, very well run that you can just rent your creature to ride. 
So there are. Oh, there's some really good, good outfitters. Yeah. And, and you can really ride up into the high country. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And there's, there are privately owned, there, 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 there's concessions that are licensed by the park, but frequently there are um, outfitters who are private that are near or adjacent the park. Yeah. Again, like you said, you can really ride into the high country and you can go out and you can, you can really remote camp where you, you, you pack it in and you pack it out. So a lot of really fascinating and interesting opportunities there. And it was interesting. I've never, I have never gone to the national parks official site before. So I, so I popped in to the <laughs> nps.gov website. Lo and behold, there it is. It's really cool. You just click on your state and it shows you where it is. So even if you don't have a, a road trip planned to some remote part of the country in the middle, because we always associate national parks with the really cool ones in the middle that are on National Geographic Channel, you know? <laughs> but there, mm. are, there are national parks all over the place. Yeah. There's one with and, trains. And wow. Yellowstone does something really cool in the winter. So we think of going to the park as something in the summer. But Yellowstone will take tourists out in these big snow cats. And there you can see the bison and the wolves and the elk in the winter. Huh. Didn't know that. Wow. So, Patty, what, what would be your... Oh, National Park. What, what comes into your brain when you say National well, Park? Well, you know, when we went to Colorado, that was the first time I had ever been in a National Park. And it was, I mean, I, it was such a life-changing trip for me just because, of, because we, we stayed right outside the park. And it was, you know, I, I, <laughs> many don't know this, but I um, saw my first moose and I am now obsessed with them. I mean, it was a... <laughs> It was a bull, a bull chasing a cow, like following a cow. I shouldn't say chasing broad daylight. And it was the most amazing, like intimate thing that I've ever shared with 50 people that I didn't know because they were all on the side of the road. It was just like, I was like, I mean, I was like, holy cow, no pun intended. Holy cow. I can, holy crap. I mean, I couldn't believe it. And, um, and it was just, you know. It's everything that, you know, that you were saying, Tigger, it was just, it was such a life-changing trip. And I have desperately wanted to get back there or experience it again somewhere else. I mean, it was just, it was majestic. It was, um, I just, you know, I've never been real great at taking vacations because I'm always so used to moving around and I, I like to ride the horses and relaxing to me. I always fall asleep. So what's the point, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I totally got the point being at that park. I mean, you know, we got up every morning and we would, um, have our coffee and then drive and go see this waterfall. Like it was just cause we were right at the edge of the park that we could go in and out of. So I, you know, I just, I, I just want to, I want to do more. I'm a little like you, Jen, we just, this is not something my family did when we were growing up. Cause I grew up on the East coast and I, I like just, I yearn I yearn for that connection and feeling again. Um, so I can't, I can't wait to do it again, but I, I mean, I, I've only been to the one park, so I would love to go to Yellowstone. Yellowstone, Glacier, Yosemite, Arcadia, um, (laughs) all the Utah parks. I mean, there's, I mean, Shenandoah, Mm. you know, the Blue Ridge is worth it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's spectacular. And it's right here in my, you know, my backyard. Yeah. But, there's something about reconnecting with the wild, with the wilderness 
that I think is important for every American, not only for our mental well-being and our spiritual well-being, but for the priorities. Because as we move forward as a nation, making sure that that North America is taken care of is 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 a priority because this is our home. Absolutely. And yeah. if if you are not inspired by the well-known parks because many many people visit them, all you do is go to nps.gov and click on any state on the little map and they they even have Puerto Rico on here and the Northern Mariana Islands and the Virgin Islands. Click on them and there are so many Lesser known ones that are probably not so frequented by people. If you want to try something a little bit off the beaten path, there's something for everybody. Like I said, there's one with trains. There's one in the middle of Chicago. Mm. There's something that's only reachable by boat. So there is something for everybody mm. to help you reset your 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 attitude clock and get a little bit closer to the dirt. Get some dirt under your fingernails. There are parks yep. where, where dogs on leashes are welcome. There are parks where yep. horseback riding is welcome. So something for everybody. And we want to hear about your planned trip, a trip you took, a trip a trip you wish you could take. And where are they going to tell us about that, Tigger? HealthyCrittersRadio.com. Boom. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to our sponsor, Biostar US. You can find them online at biostarus.com. Get the Horse Radio Network phone app on iOS or Android by searching for Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and easy to use. For details about today's show, go to healthycrittersradio.com, where you can find links, photos, and more information about our guests. As always, we love your feedback. Please follow us on Facebook under Healthy Critters Radio. Be sure to visit all the great shows on Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Love your dog. Hug your horse. Feed your chickens. Clean your litter box. Dance with your goat. Slither with your snakes. Howl at the moon. Hang with your hamster. Party with your parrot. Waddle with your walrus. Outwit your otter. Cuddle your cows. Rap with your raptor. Go chipping with your chipmunks. Forgive your fox. While hedging your hog. We also recommend that you rack with your raccoon. Gyrate with your giraffe. Meditate with a meerkat. Uber with your orangutan. Facebook with your flamingo. Ponder with your panda. Walk with your wookie. Yawn with your yak. Twitter with your toucan. Go raining with your reindeer. Dropbox your dragon. <laughs> <laughs>